Hey, welcome back to What We Started EDM, where we speak with producers, DJs, labels, managers, really anyone in the EDM industry that can help us learn and grow. I'm your host, Ted, and I talk EDM. Today, we speak with Braden Pierce, a musician, producer, DJ, and startup founder with an exciting vision for the future of music. You do not want to miss this episode. with Braden Pierce, and I really just want an introduction to how you got into music. Okay. How you guys doing? I'm Braden Pierce. I've been a music guy my whole life, um, ever since I was a kid. Um, just music spoke to me, and I, I really didn't start performing until the age of like 10, 11, 12. And it was like in, you know, grade school, like the first theater classes where, you know, you got up on stage and, um, you know, sang a little bit or acted, and it just kind of felt right. I felt it felt good on stage. I'm also a middle child, so having that extra attention was, well, I guess, was nice and well. But um, I picked up the guitar at the age of 13, um, and and uh, did the school musicals. I started playing, uh, just learning all this sort of like rock, you know, rock gods that I appreciated, like Pearl Jam and Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, and I'd be like the after school special. My friends would stay after school, and I would just like rock out. And, um, and that was, that set the foundation, uh, for a lot. Um, my, uh, high school choir, actually, um, I fell into that. I was kind of like, I was trying to, you know, I was in high school, you're trying to find out who you are a bit, right? You're trying to wear different, you know, clothing. Like one time I was a skater with these really big, you know, 30 inch barrel, you know, uh, legs mm-hmm. and um, you know, then I was like wearing urban clothes like Tommy Nautica and stuff like that and um, you know sometimes you find yourself a bit rebellious with the rebellious crowd and um, then I met this like my high school sweetheart and she was in choir and, um, and she's like you should join I'm like okay <laughs> and I did and it ended up being really fantastic for me because my my concert my choir my whole music department in high school was really good you want a Grammy and and my choir ended up touring Europe on a cathedral tour when I was 16. And so singing all the classic, um, all the classic uh, historical songs and hymns like Agnus Dei, High League, um, Pondell, in these like monolithic cathedrals with like literally heavenly reverb. And we were really good. And, you know, people were crying in the pews. And I was like 16. I'm like, this is crazy. Um, and then also, also, I joined the show choir, which was like a real life glee. Mm-hmm. Like, we were also really good. And we toured the country uh, for all the competitions and we won first prize everywhere, undefeated, like Mike Tyson level shit. <laughs> no ears were enough though so <laughs> but um but you know that again that also there was a lot of foundations that were that happened at that time period um because i just again found myself in music um i would write songs um and um i ended up going to uh university in missouri in mizzou uh still dating the same girl but i sweetheart but um and, and then i i didn't i played the local um music cafe every week it was a college town in Columbia Missouri um and there was like one or two local like music spots so every Monday night I would play open mic night work on my songs and stuff like that and really knew that I wanted to end up in New York or LA but um uh yeah so but that went on for about um I think I finally got uh gained enough courage to leave the Midwest um so my junior year I was like, I've had enough. I can't take this lifestyle anymore. And I just, I, I need to get out. And so I convinced my dad to transfer my marketing degree to Cal State LA. And, um, and, uh, made a whole campaign. I pitched him and everything. And it's like, all right, fine. And, um, and I did, uh, and I made that move. Um, and, and acting sort of took over for me. Um, I moved here and right away, like a lot of great opportunities started falling in my lap, like a great agent, um, commercial and theatrical. And, you know, I, I, I joined this, um, two year acting conservatory 
and mastered the Meister technique and and did that for even longer, the more like master classes and stuff like that and started booking as an actor. And that kind of just started taking over my life and music kind of took a backseat a bit. Um, and um, really just worked the acting thing for quite a bit. I ended up getting like um, Brad Pitt, Natalie Portman's manager, also discovered James Franco and stuff like that. And um, I was working my way up the ranks, but then I had some... Uh, uh, a series of unfortunate events coming that that um compelled me to sort of take an existential lens on my life choices. Both my parents passed away in, in 2010 and then 2013, and um it forced me to really like you know just take stock at what I'm really spending my time on and acting. I just kind of got fed up with it. It's like a perpetual job interview. It's like at one moment, it's like, you know, in LA, Hollywood is a small town. It's like one minute, you know, everybody is interested in um, calling me in. I was going out for all the lead roles. I was, was on Twilight and stuff like that. That's not, yeah, that's a werewolf. And, different. and, um, and uh, all those things. So like, there's all these like close calls. It's just like, I love the, I love the charm of acting on stage. But I fell out of love with the process of getting a job. You really have to stay in love with that. And so at that point, when my mom passed away, I was like, I'm going to dedicate my all to music because music is um, really, if I were to have to choose one, it's music. And so I was like, well, I'm going to dedicate all I can to being the best music artist I can be. And so I broke up with my other girl, my girlfriend at the time, we were together for like six years, seven years. And I was like, bye. <laughs> and I actually moved to Santa Monica in this artist commune for about six to nine months and um, played the Third Street Promenade every day. And guitar? Yeah, yeah. It's bust out there and sang. And it's a lot different back then than it is now. It was like over 10 years ago. Come on, babe. It, it was much, much safer. It was, it was a safe haven of of commerce people of tourism artists and because you didn't really have youtube or social media then and so i had several friends that had gotten major label record deals from just playing promenade and getting following yeah million dollar record deals one was atlantic one with um island def Jam. and so it's like when you hear that you're like well it's like yeah i'm doing that that sounds great and you know it's good it's humbling too because you gotta you know tr- slip up there with your gear and you gotta make it look cool and then you know sometimes you're playing for no one <laughs> you know and then maybe it's one person and then but maybe that one person turns into 10 or 20 or 30 and ultimately it was one of the most um educating experiences for me as a performer because um it taught me to really have a th- a thread with the audience because nobody's really there to see you. They're just walking back and forth. So what is, and you know, um, it's like, you know, I've watched it. It's like, if you're, if you're a girl wearing a dress or so to speak, odds are you're going to have men stop right away. And then all of a sudden more people are going to stop. It's a social psychology around that aspect, right? It's harder for sure as a guy with a guitar to go up there with no expectations and make it work. You know what I mean? And um, I alerted, I watched that, I studied that for months. I watched it happen time and time again. It was like clockwork. It was mathematic. And so, um, so again, so that just it kind of just raised my personal chops up as a singer, songwriter, performer to be able to be um, interesting enough, able to be like, oh, I like this. This is cool. I'm going to stop for a minute. <laughs> And, and then I was started booking gigs at the Santa Monica, the new mall, the Santa Monica Place Mall, mall the pre-story mall over there with Reiki and stuff. Mm, yeah. So they would like start paying, they would like pick performers in there and be them like, they said one of light. And then, you know, they would get projected throughout all the speakers and stuff and they would build a stage. And then, um, and then so I decided to like start playing gigs around town, like the Roxy, for example, I played the Roxy um a pipe room many times whiskey all the classic sunset spots um and then um i ended up uh 
getting a cool like little solo project going on. It was first called Braden and the Bandits. Uh, and then just Braden Pierce. And then um, I met a, a few dudes who graduated from Musicians Institute, which is like a big music school. And um, we decided to put together a little band. Like they had a singer that dropped out and met them. And they had this cool like Red Chili Peppers math rock sound. And it was like, this is cool. Um, and actually before that, it was a few other bands that I was hopping around and there was one called Animal Motherboard. I was this punk rock, a uh, punk pop band. And then again, and, and then this one. So the band, this band ended up, we ended up calling ourselves, um, it was first called Thieves Like Us. And then we ended up calling it Mandala. Um, but we were something like Chili Peppers meets Danzig. Oh, God. I had this pretty wild sound. Um, you know, I would like jump around on stage like Joe Cocker. <laughs> and like, he was just, it was wild fun. Um, and, uh, but unfortunately, like, unfortunately, we kind of like, um, it's difficult. I learned a lot of lessons in that project because all those guys were musicians institute graduates. They were really studied on um, music theory. And um, I studied, I was classically trained as a singer and stuff like that and all that background. But I left that shit years ago, you know, and my writing process and um, basically just comes from an organic place. Like, what is it? What is it I'm feeling at the moment? And let me just express it without too much sort of premeditated thought. Let me just, you know, get it to a meditative state and just like, just jam for 20, 30, 40 minutes. And, you know, it's like all of a sudden, you know, you're in a sort of, um, you're in sort of like your own dimensional state where, you know, the pure, uh, the pure form of creation just, you know, um, uh, uh, just kind of cuts itself out, you know, sculpts itself. Um, that's where I like to be in creative. Um, so anyway, so the, the musicians that do guys, they were so deeply educated and learned on music theory, you know, and they were really focused on like, it can't be four, four. It's gotta be really, really crazy time signatures. It's got to be really complex intros and movements and stuff like that. I'm like, I guess, but I just want to make dope shit that people want to rock out to, you know, like I would, uh, and so we just got the, uh, butt heads on that. Um, as well as like, as well as on the, on the business side, you know, nobody wanted to cut up like, get to work and get it done. I ended up doing it all. So out of frustration, I had to leave that, um, scenario and, um, um, ended up again doing my, my solo thing back to Braden Pierce and um, would be playing shows all around town wherever I, wherever I could uh, play I would just do it and well, sometimes I would have multiple gigs a night um, and uh, and then I met um, a fellow guitarist I was playing at the Roxy again and I met a fellow guitarist uh, Tom Sandoval um, and uh He's like, I love your sound. It's really cool. And we started jamming. And and then we became a little band. Maybe it became my guitarist for my solo project. But then eventually that became, I wanted to honor him a little bit more. How uh, that became, um, instead of Braden Pierce, became Pierce the Arrow. Um, and, um, and that had this cool kind of like, the Smiths meets like Mumford and Sons meets like um, Jeff Buckley kind of sound. Forgot. And, um, and, uh, and then we started getting some really cool gigs, like all around town, Silver Lake, Hollywood, wherever. And then he ended up, um, he ended up being a part of this reality show called, uh, Banner Bump Wolves. All right. Yeah. 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 And so, um, that was just started to pick up big time. He's like, you know, becoming this reality star and, um, and he wanted to like incorporate the band into the show and, I wasn't having that at all because I was like reality show. Reality shows are like oil and vinegar to me. Like um, they don't mix with mapes because I, there's so many there's so many problems I see uh, with reality shows in terms of 
the kind of behavior they sort of encourage with social dynamics and relationships, you know, and also what, um, you know, what, you know, how, yeah, like what we've defined as like a valuable things in our lives. I feel like it's misappropriated. And I've watched that whole friend group, the very wonderful friend group, they were my friend group as well. And watched them sort of like eat each other alive for camera time. I mean, again, they're the ones last laughing because they're millionaires now. But at the same time, it's like you literally have to sell your soul to make that happen. And so I didn't want my, I didn't want the band to be a reality show band. I wasn't about that. And so um, had to let Tom go at that time um, because it just was getting a little too much. And um, I rekindled with a long-term friend of mine, uh, Matt Wallerstein, who... Um, was my longtime friend, um, but kind of fell out of touch a little bit. And then we needed a guitar, uh, we needed a keyboardist, and um, he played piano and stuff. And so we had some jam sessions and really liked his vibe. Um, and then, so after, you know, Keep Tom the Booth, um, it became mine and Matt's project. And um, and then we decided to give it a new name called Kingdoms. Yeah, it's, yeah. Kingdoms. And, um, and that was that started back in 2013, and uh, and we released our first EP in 2014, and that had like this Empire of the Sun beats Foss and the People sound, Killers ish as well, and um, yeah, man, and again, like we started playing shows, and in a year's time, we were selling out like House of Blues on Sunset when it was still open. Um, we we played the main stage of uh, LA Pride. Which is huge. And it's like they're a friend and was working with the department. And like, you want to play? I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. I'm like, why the fuck not? You know, support everyone and uh, support love. And, uh, uh, you know, it's all their conversation. Well, um, but uh, it was all for a good cause. And then um, and we ended up playing Made in America Festival, which was Jay Z's Rock Nation Festival downtown. Um, for Ma- it opened up for Magic Dragons, more or less. Oh. And, um, you know, all these things were just really, really good. Um, but then we, we just, then we hit some walls because it's like, you know, you're working so much, making all this happen, but then you have to survive in LA. Yes. And, you know, making your way as an artist makes it very, very challenging to also survive in LA because you would be your after, all these projects I'm talking about are like guerrilla based startups. You know, you got to find your core team. They all have to be aligned. You got to figure out who roles does what. And then you got to basically, with a shoestring budget, you got to make it happen. Yes. And the reality of the business model is ever so challenging with music because where does the money actually come in? They're constantly just like, it's red, 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 red. You're not making any fucking money. So, um, you know, constantly find myself just like, you know, getting them, you know, rent like due and all these kind of things, pay your bills. And um, so it was this constant battle between all that. Um, and so um, we ended up having some friction with growing as an entity. We had a couple of guys enter the band and, um, you know, some, some, some friction about where we're going to take our sound. And so at that point, I didn't know how to produce or DJ. But yeah, it was like 2015. And then my new roommate at the time uh, was James Kennedy, who's also on Band of Pop Rolls. Yeah. Um, he's like, he's like killing it right now. He's like literally killing it, like playing ma- major clubs and selling them out, like packing them. Yeah. Like girls screaming for him. It's like, he's like the Beatles. It's insane. So we lived together for about a year and, um, and uh, a little over a year and uh and it became this like cool like workshop and i really was, I was getting frustrated with working with all these music producers um you know like sharing my vision and then i'm like this is what i want and then i am getting like this you know and what i so out of frustration i decided to um learn how to produce yep no you know and like and of course, like also coincidentally with technology at that point made it easier, right? It was the first time really that you could really do it well enough. So I literally just like 
ensconced myself into the world of production and dropped everything in my life for like at least a year. The entire time me and James were roommates, it was like, he was working on a production, I was working on a production, and day and night, we were like, you showed me like some really cool tips because he didn't produce a lot longer. And as well as DJing, like showed me a little bit how to DJ and I would like play gigs with him and stuff like that. New Year's Eve, we did one and some other gigs as well. Uh, I played, I played, you know, but, but stuff like that. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I realized, wow, okay, well, all this music background and I used to win, I, I have a math background as well. Like I used to win math awards and shit as a kid. But I was like, no, rated 99th percentile in math. And no, I used to win like these medals. <laughs> but I never applied that. But but music producing allowed me, it's kind of applied for the math. Because a lot of ways music is math. I mean, not from a creative standpoint. I'm really modeling. You have to be one question and go. That's perfect. And that's how I'm going. So, you know, it's like, um, you know, I don't create from a place of math when it comes to music, but when you look at music on any production tool, it's all it is is math. You know, you're dialing EQ at frequencies and you're figuring out times, timing, and you're just, it's all, it's all the math puzzle. And that's how I see it. So for me, it was like this wonderful, like fodder from that side of my brain. Um, and everything just really clicked. Um, um, it made me a better piece of shit all around because you see things realistically you know um it's a bit like being a director if you're an actor it's like directing or producing movie or tv show that's gonna make you utter actor or working at casting you know and it's gonna make you be a better actor you know where you sit in the whole grand scheme of things you know maybe a little bit holistically what needs to happen and so um a lot of things click there and um um, but then, you know, then me and my, my, my core bandmate and long-term friend, Matt, um, we had some, we had a little bit of like inverse eight and, um, it's unfortunate because we were out, we had a lot of momentum going on. Um, but, uh, you know, he wanted to sort of like, just take a back, just kind of like, um, peace out of the project. And I was like, wow, like, you know, but everything in the kingdoms, you know, and it's like, why would you want to stop now? Um, and but I respected his wishes. Um, but it did actually put me in a tailspin, mental health wise, and like just like directional wise, directional years lots. Yeah, because it's like I lost my parents. You know, get rid of my get rid of my long term girlfriend. I'm at you know whatever money I got from like my parents. I'm like I'm gonna put this in the visa. And now, like, I invested into him. He's like, peace out. Um, but so he really did put me in tailspin. I was like, what do I do? Um, and um, it, I, it took me all of 2016 to really just figure out that question. Yeah. And so by the beginning of 2017, I was like, and I was working on music, producing shit the whole time and getting better. So by 2017, I was like, well, let me rebrand again and you know instead of as instead of as uh, Kingdoms for Braden Pierce I wonder under another solo name City Kid yeah and um, um, I, I I went through this like um, really fucking amazing uh, self-help uh, program I mean I had to call it program that sounds a little institutional or cold name but it was not that at all it was just like this couple from New York, Robert Michelle, um, they like put together like a um, self-help workshop that helps you get out of your own way to achieve your own goals of life. Really as simple as that. And everything, you know, from Eastern mysticism, Buddhism, Vedantism, Taoism to like quantum physics and modern psychology and like put it in the cool workshop that's affordable. You know, had no strings attached to it. And so, um, in working with them, um, I learned about city and Siddha as old Sanskrit word that's been around for thousands of years. And, um, so city, uh, city means, um, or a Siddha is someone who's achieved 
uh, paranormal and magical powers to meditation and yoga. And when I heard that, I was like, wow. I mean, the fact that, you know, we have this concept that is sort of lost in translation of time where humans have essentially found a way to be real life X-Men. Um, and I was like, I need to find a way to sort of like lift that up or just like showcase that. And I was like, so the city kid is a bit of a triple entendre um, where, you know, you're a city kid in the urban jungle. Um, eat, uh, it's more like quadruple entendre. But, you know, so city kid is yours, you know, we're in the urban jungle, LA. Um, city being that um, this old Sanskrit word and the meaning behind it. Um, and one of my favorite quotes is never lose your childish enthusiasm, um, which is from Federico Fellini, um, a famous, um, director. And, you know, that to me is such an important quote because it literally to me, uh, is a necessity for creation and creativity because at its purest form, you know, because if you are truly in touch with who you're if you're, in, if you're in touch with your child self remember what that was like if it was nothing but just pure creation you would just sit here and just imagine things and ideas and be a character and have fun and draw and there was no judgment or concern we just do it for hours and then you know adult life had to come around and fuck it all up so you know as an artist uh, the artist is often misunderstood for, you know, playing with that sort of archetype in a role. It's a vital part of being an artist. And that's why I kind of put Babel Compassion in offer Michael Jackson, for example, because I feel like there might have been arrested development there, but he understood that value of being a child no. and the, the magic and the wonder around that. And he knew that's where his magic and spark hits always it'll always be there and um so that being said so that's city gate right there and then also it's like you know fest it's like the festival culture it's like what is a festival you know a festival is essentially a pop-up city for a day or two you get a couple hundred thousand people you decide an economy you work together make shit happen and it's all about music and it's all about vibing together for good cause you know and so all those things. So the city kid is about all those things to make it a movement. Um, um, but it, it <laughs> I was the only one that really. It's, <laughs> it's hard to share that message. Yeah, it's hard to really, it's hard to really share that message with that with unless you you know without a million dollars because you got a million dollars to break an artist, and I was doing it all on a shoestring but <laughs> So um, you know, to me it was a bit like Ziggy Stardust. It was like poor man's E starts. <laughs> it was like a, you know, persona within a persona. Um, but, I, you know, it, it became this cool, fun project where um, I just got to just do some cool electronic music. Um, but then I rekindled with my bandmate, old best friend, Matt, from Kingdoms. And he just started having some of the most amazing writing sessions where he was just like, our evolved selves just like coming together and making some great songs and that's what it's all about right just making great music and um and that's what really what we do best I've never met a good better writing partner than than ends because we had this sort of like unspoken link um and so we were like fuck it kingdoms is back on game on yeah man and uh and then, so, you know, we do it all over again. We started like house parties, we played big shows, all the plays that can Echo Park at Silver Lake. Um, and, um, and then we had this really great plan and rollout. We shot this um, awesome music video. It was at the end of 2019, um, right before New Year's Eve and Christmas. And I think it was right after Christmas. Anyway, it was this nice little pocket, and we shot three back-to-back music videos, and um, and uh, you just tell like this whole music video shoot 
Uh, my, the director of it was one of my close friends. He's Thomas Trail. Big shout out, Traley. Um, uh, he's just a really talented director that, you know, um, is a good friend. And he's done over 100 music videos. He's had a film at Sundance years ago. And he's just a really underrated director. And um, thankfully, he's a good friend. So he was able to get um, a really amazing shoot done for the song. And you just tell like that. On shoot day, everything was just kind of magical. But um, we shot this party scene with all these great colors and and everybody's wearing cool costumes. And that was the song Senses, Kingdoms. Yeah. And so we had this big launch for it, um, January 2020. Um, you know, cut a lot of marketing dollars around it. We had like, we put like 20 to 40K in marketing around it. The you know, song ended up getting 2 million, almost two point something million views we have a, we had a million views in the first couple of weeks that's crazy we were like shit this is like you know, pretty much viral and um and then uh shortly after fucking pandemic happened <laughs> oh what is going on and um and um and uh, of course you know worldwide it knocked us knocked the wind out of all of our sales and but I will say as an artist and as, you know, you, you feel a lot more. It's our jobs to feel more than the average person. Because you need that input and that data to make the art. Yeah. You have to be an open vessel for, you know, just vibrations. A lot of people, again, don't understand that. There's a lot of pressure to intake all that stuff. You walk into a room, you feel it all, you know. Or you just, you know, walk outside. You, you could feel what's happening on the other side of the world. It just, you know, it's the way it is. So um, it it definitely, you know, it definitely, and then it definitely hit, hit me strong. Just like drank a lot. <laughs> yeah. um, definitely definitely uh, mastered the, uh, um, the um, was the COVID teeny or whatever it is? The... Yeah, yeah, that. Uh, yeah, it was like vitamin C packets and oh, God, and shit. It was like it was great. Um, I hope you know, and also you know, I was bartender, so I did film then. Um, uh, but also prior to that, 2017, I picked up crypto, selling to crypto as another way to make money to supplement, um, you know, the money I wasn't making in the music world. Well. So I was like, well, crypto sounds amazing. Let me just try to figure out this. And I understood the value components right away that it's not, it wasn't about like some kind of scheme. It was more like, this is how, you know, how tech has disrupted every part of our lives. Tech is now disrupting money as we know it fundamentally. And that's how big it is. And so when you understand that, you're like, oh, okay. We are literally evolving money. And so I, I also like parallelly, parallelly or parallelly. Uh, I know you're saying. You know what I mean? No word. In parallel. In parallel. In parallel. There we go. <laughs> in parallel. Um, between 2017 and 2020, I like learned everything I could about crypto, Web three, blockchain, and um, technical analysis, which was good for my math brain. Yeah, I was like. Uh, so I had to be, you know, I, I ended up developing my own trading and charting technique um, by using cycles and time cycles, um, which is very valuable because most people don't look at time. You know, any any chartable asset is um, something. It's it's a price against time, but everybody looks at price action, and you're omitting time as a factor of uh, analysis. And so to me, that was my edge, and I started to basically predict things. I also knew that March 2020 would be a major down point and every other major up and down from then on, you know. But it, it's a lot to kind of, it's a lot to kind of figure out. There's like hindsight and then there's like foresight and there's like being in the moment with it and, and then trading on it, you know, entering and exiting, you know. There's a lot of, it's it's really, it truly is a trapeze act. Um, don't recommend it. It's <laughs> Do not recommend learning how to trade assets whatsoever. And that's what happened in 2021, that coming out of the pandemic, you know, I, I actually started making quite a bit of money, you know, trading. I would turn like 2,000 bucks into 100,000 bucks 
Dude, yeah. In a matter of days. Dates. <laughs> I'd, I, I would, it was, it was so started to kind of, because what I was working on was working on like grander, grander time cycles, but then I would also work gradual, well, not on a gradual level on like the five minute chart, 10 minute chart. So I would do these volatile, high leverage traits. Mm. Um, don't recommend it. Yeah. Because it's, it's volatile, swings both ways. Yeah. And, um, and, um, Ultimately, um, it just was a time period of exponential lessons, which ultimately led me to put that aside and the music aside for a minute and say, hey, well, what if there's a better way to go about this? You know, music has intrinsic value to us all. You know, you know like, what does music mean to you? What does music, what does music mean to all of us? You know, it's around everywhere. You work nine to five, and then you go to a bar, music's playing. You go to a club, music's playing. You have a list of karaoke. You got to listen to music to make that happen. It's literally the soundtrack to our lives. Life would be lifeless without music. And it's always been that way. It's just that we're in this weird little blip in the course of time where tech, again, revolutionized music as not that value opponent out of whack. It's never happened before. What do you mean? Well, I mean, because well, songs are now worth nothing, you know, since Napster and since you download songs for free. Yeah. You don't pay for songs on Spotify. Music's free. You pay for Spotify's service convenience. And that service convenience is $10 a month. So literally music in the course of 20 something years has become valueless. But throughout the course of human civilization, music has had a noble and front seat place amongst kings and queens. You know, you were a nobleman if you played music, you know. Um, but again, that changed since recorded music happened in the 20th century, the rise of industrial revolution. You started to, you know, have these really interesting devices that would play the violin automatically. You know, you play music automatically and that changed that level as well. Again, cut to now, music is valueless. Um, and But I saw the value component to crypto, Web3, and, to- and, the, to- and the tokenization of everything. And I know that music has intrinsic value. So how do you put that together? And I was like, well, we can... We can create a, you know, holding music experience. Yeah, it's, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and it, it started off as a comic book. I wanted to create like a comic book for every new single of mine. And that would be like the thematic, almost like a Marvel universe. Kingdom's universe was going to be, what was that? Kingdom's universe was the original name for South Drama. Yeah. Oh, no, really? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, and then, um, and then in August, 2021, I came up with Sound Dramada. Um, because Andromeda is the nearest, a lot of people don't know this, but Andromeda is the nearest galaxy to the Milky Way. And a lot of people don't know that, but they should, because that's like common knowledge. It's like knowing the planets in, uh, in the, um, excuse me, it's like knowing the planets in our solar system. Um, but as a long-term astronomy geek, I've known that since I was like five. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I was like, sound, Andromeda, sound, Andromeda, boom. Um, where, you know, sound, Andromeda is a galaxy, um, and every, it's a virtual galaxy, and every artist is a solar system, and every song can transform into a song world, right? And you could have these infinite, sort of, this infinite sort of galaxy that just expands along with all the new songs that are released every single day as an opportunity to be a song world if the artist wants it. So it's like creating a a platform where the artist owns their IP, fully autonomous in that way, new forms of revenue. I was like, and it's like, it's coming from the heart of me, which is the artist, and understanding holistically where this needs to sort of like, how does this even happen? (laughs) Yeah. And so for the course of the last two years, it's been like, you know, every week has compelled me to learn a new degree of information, whether it be like game design, game mechanics, um, token economy, 
um, you know, to, you know, UI UX design and, every, you know, just go to market strategies and, you know, everything you would need to know fundamentally as a startup. But then there's so many other critical factors with blending three different industries like the music industry, gaming industry, and, you know, Web3 and NFTs as an industry. So there's all those complexities is what I've really been studying for and researching statistical reports and all kinds of reports for two years. You know, I wrote my white paper on the platform's vision July of 2022. July of 2023, we were able to get the first version of our platform done. Yeah. And we have it materialized. Yeah. Which is great. And then like, go and experience a song world. It's audio reactive. It's like a little playground, like a Disneyland. Um, you can like win little items on the when you can like go on treasure hunts rather. And the idea is to create this like destination um, where, you know, you can send your fan base to do these like real fun, like virtual treasure hunts. You can um, get discovered in a whole new way because of this like gamified artist discovery and a whole new kind of just whole new thing. Um, and, uh, and the goal is to make it really to be the center point of, for any music artist in the music industry. So like, this is a place where you can foster your, your creative vision. Literally. It's like, it's like you can create your music, but now this is the ultimate companion to the music. It's the visual. It's play with the audio visual, right? Now you can be inside your creations. It's like being inside a living painting of your song or a living music video. And it could be whatever you want, whatever colors, you know, whatever, you know, you know, lava clouds, you could have it raining candy cane, you could have like, you know, chocolate rivers, you could have, you know, whatever it could be, you know, that sounds a lot like, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, <laughs> but it can be all that. And that's the beauty of it. Um, and uh, we're just, we're making it streamlined. I created an AI process that um, makes it really easy to transform your song because it sounds like it could be complicated but you know push the button transform the song by the world yeah by the by the boat and um, enter into some agreements and then ready to go and now you're basically now you're basically the beauty of it is that now it's a platform that speaks to half of the world that plays video games every single day no every single day people play video games and and uh, half the world plays video games. Half the world listens to three hours of music every day. So we're talking about a massive market that is dying for something new when it comes to music. You know, music streaming is tapped out. It's no value in Spotify or anywhere else. And live music is the ultimate experience. I never want to take away from that. But it's logistically cost heavy and financially cost heavy for everyone involved. So what do we do? What we do is sound dramata. <laughs> and uh, so that's what I've been dedicated on. But um, in this past spring, um, I flew, well, I was in, I was in England for about three months to work on the business plan for sound drama. This woman who specialized in business plans. Um, and flew back in town for this convention. What is some like, you know, investor, like networking thing, met a, met a, met a fellow entrepreneur, had an intro. Turns out he has a, a piece of part going to the mill. With, yeah, yeah. And I was like, what the, what the fuck does that mean? Um, and I was like, he's like, I got, I got my art collection going to the moon. And I was like, wow. Um, I have a cell call caption there. Yes. And I wrote this song way back when, in 2011, um, my previous band, really the one of the first one. Yeah, and so he, and Capture the Moon has reincarnated all those projects. Um, and um, I was like, I haven't solo Capture the Moon. It would be like a great soundtrack to whatever the fuck you're doing. And, then, uh, and he's like, well, send it to me, but the submissions have closed months ago. This thing is going on a on a on a moon lander on a on SpaceX rocket. It's being loaded up. It probably can happen now, but you know who knows. Um, and he's like, actually, the best way to do it is maybe we can 
do a new version and call it Modernist, which is Modernist's collection, and call it the Modernist Edition. And I was like, I've been waiting to redo this song forever because as an artist, your song, as an artist, your sound constantly evolves. So, and literally 24 hours, had a new version of the song, sent it to them and the mission curators uh, for the art curators. And he's like, this is a one in a million chance, but this song is so good. It brings me property tears. And that's what he said. Yeah. And so he's like, it's on, it's on, it's going on the mission. It's going on the fucking moon. And there you go. After that weekend, I now have a song going to the moon. <laughs> so, um, so I was like, oh, fuck. And, you know, naturally, then I put my artist hat back on. I was like, well, we got to throw a single release party. I got to put out the song and we got to do a single release party, you know, and we're going to maybe do a little thing in LA and some time passed. And, um, and, uh, and then my co-founder, uh, for, for Goon Party. So then eventually we, the, so eventually this single release party became this art basil party called Moon Party. Moon Party, um, is now this something so much more than a single release party. It's like this massive celebration of art and music going to the moon. Um, and we're turning into this like mini festival. Um, and uh, we're actually uh, doing a documentary filming Moon Party as like a basically a live art installation and sending that to the booth. It's well, we're sending everything to the moon. Bad um, everything, everything. You go to the moon. I go to the moon. You actually, it's my, it's, it's very, it's very exclusive. It's like it costs twenty five thousand dollars to do it. So I'm very fortunate and lucky that I didn't have to, you know, pay that to send the art to the moon. Yes, so be a part of this mission and cost twenty five thousand dollars. Like, there's a Leonardo, there's a, there's a Leonardo DiCaprio movie. There's a, you know, unreleased Michael Jackson songs. There's Pink Floyd music. It's all really good company. You know what I mean? It's just that because my co-founder at Moonparty, he's he is he has this golden relationship with them. He's done a lot of design work. We're now one big family. Right, where we're all supporting each other and officially as partners, right? So we do have the exclusive right to be filming our moon party in December, December 6th at Surfcomer Hotel in Miami, South Beach. Um, but now it's no. Yes. Yeah, but look, we got a prime location in South Beach. No. Um, it's at the Kimpton Surfcomer Hotel, 1200 capacity. Got seven DJs playing, including you, including me. No. I'm going to be playing. Um, it's a little stressful to be managing all these things and trying to sort of figure out what I'm going to play. But as of now, I'm going to do it. So, yeah. Um, and um, it's going to be exciting. Um, again, the whole thing is going to be recorded uh, and going to be sent to the moon. Um, we have the, there's, there's multiple missions sending art to the moon, a SpaceX rocket. Um, then the first one is happening January 2024. Um, it's soon. It's soon. It was supposed to happen in November. It got pushed back. Um, it's this is the first non-government sanctioned payload going to the moon, heaven in history. Yeah, it's, so it's a really big deal, and it's all it's all at the sort of mercy of NASA. The mercy of NASA. <laughs> yeah. But it is, um, and that's what it is, and um, and so we just have to come to. This- Play by ear. It's going to go up when it's going to go up, and you know. At the meantime, we're going to throw moot parties. But wait, wait. Our next one's going to be in the spring summer. Moot party number two. Uh, we have moon party number three, probably back in Miami in next December, twenty twenty four. Because there's multiple launches. There's multiple launches, but we're going to be we're going to do moot parties probably forever. Are we on? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, this marks a new chapter in human civilization, putting human culture as an art or culture timestamp on the moon because where humans go where human civilization goes you have part there to define culture you know what I mean you know and as we dig up skeletons and other artifacts all we have is the art to decide and define what they were like so this art museum on the moon will last forever it will never corrode in outer space because they're using the special technology, the data and information 
will literally exist for eternity. <laughs> and so, you know, it's it's kind of it's it's a very it's a very big honor and it's very exciting. It's it blows my mind. I think anybody hears that, it's hard to even really like put that in a box. This has never happened. This never happened though. There's so many things that are never happened. So it's it's wild. Um but the reality is we are in a new chapter for the human race to exist beyond planet Earth. And we've seen it in countless stories and movies, TV shows, but now it's actually happening. So we will be colonizing the moon by 2040, living there, and there's hydrogen ice caps at the South Pole. And they'll kind of turn that into a gas station to power that, and then also as a liftoff to Mars. So that's why everybody's trying to get down there. You had Russia, India, you know, you, all the other PLA people trying to get down there um, to, to, to basically claim, uh, claim stake to that hydrogen fuel. It's all about, it's all about the fuel. Yeah. It's, so, you know, um, yeah, I mean, you know, that's the deal. But, but yeah, that's where we are. That's where we are. We're right here today, right now. I'm <laughs> trying to make it all happen. And uh, we will not stop until it does. Oh, you really are committed because I see you here every day. <laughs> just grinding. I mean, uh, there, uh, there's, there's no other way. I mean, I feel like for the first time in my life, I wake up and I'm like, uh, it's like not, oh, fuck. I mean, of course I'm tired, but it's like we have a lot of cool shit to do. So let's fucking do it. Do it. You know, and, you know, I'm not grinding for myself as an artist anymore. I'm grinding for every music artist. So it's something that's much bigger than me. And um, I just won't stop until I see change. And I think that sound drama of what we're building is the future of that. So, you know. And the website for that is on dramadova.il? Uh, yeah, sounddramadova.com or .il. Yeah, both. I don't know. Yeah, so sounddramadova.com. And the work can people find the moon party? Yeah, that's that's moon.party, moon with three O's. Yeah. Ooh, party. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. What? And is there anything else that you want to share about I listen to mean things? Um, I would say that and look out for Capture the Moon. Uh, uh, moon so I created another version called Moon Party Mix and Modernist Edition. It's all gonna be dropping between December of twenty twenty three and January twenty twenty four. Uh so listen and share that. And um go on to Soundromeda and uh, add yourself to our, our newsletter and if you're an artist add yourself there um, uh, because we're going to be handpicking artists to create our first song worlds to showcase to the rest of the world what we can do with music uh, yeah the site is helping us and thanks well thanks for being on here Braden I really this has been one question and go I'm playing like all these questions and you like answered everything and I'll be doing anything right uh, no no yeah love it first thank you for that now thanks again hey thanks for listening to the podcast you can find us on Spotify Apple and YouTube just search what we started EDM if you would like to reach out to us shoot us a DM on Instagram it's at what we started dot edm thanks again catch you next time